RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. You might remember on this program back uh, in, um, let me see, it would have been July, maybe early July, maybe mid-July. It was in July, I know that. We spoke to Louise Elliott, Hobart City Councillor, and she was here to tell us about the, and it was pending then, we're waiting to hear if the statue of former Tasmanian Premier William Crowther was going to be removed from um, Central City Hobart. So we were kind of wondering what the outcome would be. I always kind of knew what would happen. Anyway, Louise Elliott is back with us. Hi, Louise. Welcome back. Hello. Thank you for having me. Okay. What happened? Not good news. No. Mm. So the shortcut uh, is that the Crowther statue was given consent for removal by the Tasmanian Heritage Council, and then the Hobart City Council voted on its own application and gave itself planning approval to remove the statue. Gave itself permission. Okay. That's right. Yes, it gave itself permission. So I guess just a bit to recap a bit around who the the statue, who Dr Crowther was and how the statue came about. So this statue stood in Franklin Square in the middle of Hobart in the historic um, area for 134 years. The statue of Dr Crowther was paid for by the everyday people of Tasmania in 1889. It was erected and it was paid for by the, the, the workers, the ex-convicts, all of the, all of the lay people. And it was sculpted in London, shipped across for free as a sign of respect because Dr Crowther was really loved in the community. He was obviously, he was a medical doctor and a surgeon, a really renowned surgeon. He uh, was a big donor to community projects. He was successful in uh, business and in parliament. And the reason he was particularly successful in parliament was because the people loved him, the everyday people. He made sure that they got, uh, they were seen at the local hospital when they couldn't afford to pay. He, they, he made sure that they had medical care regardless of who they were. He would see patients before uh, starting work at the hospital. He Even as I was reading through the newspaper articles, he got up off his deathbed in his dying last few weeks and when he could, he went and saw his patients. Like he, he was so loved and they wanted to recognise him and have a memorial that it was clearly intended that this memorial would be there for generations. If they wanted it to teach a lesson to the rising generations, lessons around energy, perseverance, skill and courage and uh, kindness and generosity. So it's the statue of that man paid for by the community that the Heritage Council of Tasmania have supported its removal and the Hobart City Council have pushed on in a vote uh, that was eight to two, um, have given itself planning consent to remove the statue. To and it, the thing is, we don't even know where it's going. It's there is no. It could very well be going to a shipping container. There is no known home for this. Well, from what you've just said, that's a huge long list of you know doing stuff for early Tasmania, mm-hmm. um, pioneering days. So what what has he done that's so terrible that outweighs all of that? Okay, so let's put ourselves back in the eighteen hundreds, which is obviously a very different time to now. And since the settlement of Hobart in the early 1800s, it was normalised behaviour in uh, some circles for bone collecting, which I mean, we shudder to think about that now. So when people when people uh, passed away, uh, bodies would be used um, of white people and black people. Bodies would be used for um, dissection, for learning around you know, anatomy. Still happens. Um, and th- still yes, happens. it does. Yes. 
Um, but this is the times when they didn't consent. So it's right. a different time. No so informed it was, consent. Ooh. No, it wasn't informed consent. Um, it was if a body wasn't claimed, it would be used for that purpose. Yeah. And it was also, it was brutal times in the 1800s because there was uh, the treatment of the Aboriginal people who are obviously right first here um, was in often cases appalling. Yeah. And there were actually, uh, it was a movement around the theory of evolution and Darwinism and scientists and medical professionals were looking at bones from the perspective of evolution. They were thinking, okay, is what, how are the races different and things like that? And we all know now that, you know, that everyone's equal and there is no differences. But back then in the 18, it was in the 1860s, a man named uh, William Lanny, he was in, in inverted commas known as the last full-blooded Tasmanian Aboriginal man. And his, uh, his body, when he died of um, natural causes, it was sought after. It was sought after by dozens of people. Oh, for the, its genetic From resource. its science perspective. Yeah. So from, you know, they were examining the shape of the skull and things like that to, to, for a comparison because they don't know what we know now. And it was normalised behaviour back then to be collecting skulls. And there are dozens of people involved in this in Tasmania, dozens of people whose street names, place names, museum collections and uh, that we have named after buildings, we have named after people. So the thing is that for some of the Tasmanian community, Aboriginal community, some want the statue removed because they feel offended by it, even though... But because he, he got hold of the head of this person, essentially, is what happened. Uh, yes. It's not as if, because I see The Guardian has reported this, you will be interested to know. And this is a sensationalizing of the whole thing. William Crowther, statue of Tasmanian Premier, who beheaded body, they put that in there, body of Aboriginal man to be taken down. So using the word beheading, yes. <laughs> sounds like he kind of executed someone or yes, given telling them or a- something. That's telling a very different story, isn't it? That's intentionally inflammatory and not and misleading because what actually happened was William Lanny had had died, passed away, and his body was in the morgue and there's no conclusive evidence around this because it could very well have not have been Dr Crowther. There was actually other parties at play as well, very likely. But um, the skull was taken from uh, William Lanny's body. Um, as I said before, scientific examination purposes, not for some, you know, Grotesque. Yeah, so it wasn't from the skeleton. It was from him on the slab in in the morgue or whatever. That the somehow the head was separated from the body and yes, yes, the skull was taken out. Yeah, okay, taken out. Okay, yes, yes, because there were multiple surgeons. This was in the hospital morgue, so you know multiple people could have had, had access to doing that. But the thing is that historians they have different interpretations around the history because as i said we have no conclusive evidence no he was never caught red handed anything like that we have letters walking going down the street with a parties. skull under his uh, his well, armpit right yeah exactly it's it's yeah, where did you get that skull oh well <laughs> yes i know like yeah so uh it could very well have not have been he, him, but what historians do agree on is that Dr. Crowther was actually the least culpable of bone collecting back then. In Franklin Square, only a handful of metres away from the Crowther statue is actually a statue of uh, John Franklin. And his John Franklin and his wife, Jane Franklin, of which there's more buildings named in Hobart, um, 
were much more uh, active in bone collecting. We have other statues in Launceston. There was it was going on because I said it was normalised, which we shudder to think about. But this was back then. So this is the thing. Now that the Hobart City Council uh, has given itself planning consent to remove the statue, the bar is set really low in terms of uh, the threshold of what can be deleted, cancelled, removed, and on what uh, dodgy evidence or inconclusive evidence. And it really, as I said, some Aboriginal people in our community have expressed concern around the statue and want it gone. Other Aboriginal groups, they desperately want it to stay. And that includes... This is kind of a, a Hobart versus rest of Tasmania issue. Um, for example, the an Aboriginal group up northwest of Tasmania, Circular Head, they want the statute to remain to the point that they're actually asking for a federal inquiry into the Hobart City Council's conduct on this. So to hear any statements that it's offensive to the Aboriginal community, full stop, is incorrect. Some people don't like the statute. Okay. Um, in terms of the council giving itself permission to itself, which is kinds of mm. sounds a, a kind of insular sort of uh, closed loop. Um, so why would they side with the folk who want the statue gone? I mean, are there individuals in that council or in the, the leadership of that council that how do we explain? Yes. This? Yes, I can explain it. So obviously everyone has their own individual reasons and uh, it wasn't a unanimous vote, as I said, but the people that supported, I can only hypothesise, but I'm, I can, you know, I can assume, I think, with a reasonably high level of accuracy. In a lot of cases, it is around uh, following the woke mob, not wanting to stand out being seen as uh, in those that woke virtue time. I mean, we've got the referendum coming up in Australia around the voice. Yes. So this is yes. really topical at the moment. I've actually never seen such racial tensions in, uh, it's not in my lifetime, but certainly not in my family. Funny that, same here. You yes, know, it kind it's of actually really seems sad to be replicated state of affairs. around the place, let me put yeah, it Yeah, it's way. really sad. So this is the time... Uh, Things are heightened already, so they're getting more heightened. And and some people, like I say, they want to be seen as being virtuous in the woke era and apologetic to the point of what else would you like us to do? What else can we take down for you next? Groveling. Well, that, yes, potentially that. That's my interpretation. There's also some close relationships with the Tasmanian Aboriginal Corporation down here. And our Lord Mayor's father is actually a historian uh, in Tasmanian Aboriginal oh, history. So there could be a business or or kind of something like that relationship in this mix here. They're your words, not mine. But yeah, there but, is but definitely... well, you know, people behave in certain ways. They do things for certain reasons. No coincidences. No conspiracies either, or whatever that is. So yes, you know. there's there's close there's close open dialogue. I suspect. Open yes. Dialogue. <laughs> <All> <laughs> yes. Right. So what about media supporting um, the statue staying? I read the Guardian headline, loaded headline out. Mm. What about uh, other media outlets? What do they say? Uh, unsurprisingly, the ABC has, well, to frankly been appalling in terms of covering uh, both sides of this issue. Though uh, their comments include uh, statements of fact which are actually unproven, uh, they're, you know, basically fueling uh, rumours and assumptions. Uh, the local Mercury 
better, but ironically, the mercury were actually involved back in the 1800s because the, the, the attack against Crowther, I mean, this action was pinned on Crowther for political reasons. Uh, the Royal Society in Tasmania and the Mercury in Tasmania and the government, government at the time, they uh, were joining forces to rally against Crowther because uh, Crowther was actually a political threat. Oh, and, okay, so this has been, oh, wow, this goes way back then. Yes, oh, yes. So and then fast forward to 2023 and the Mercury is in the thick of it again, again fueling the assumptions. The only people that have been fair to this situation because I think they understand the precedence of it, is the Australian. Matthew Denholm in The Australian has been fair on this. Okay. All right, so what happens now? Is there an appeal? Yes, that's right. So the community, I've been flooded with uh, support from the community and outrage. They're like, how on earth is our council doing this? And from right across Tasmania and even Australia. So a group of community members have come together and they are appealing the decision. At, with the Tasmanian uh, Civil and, and Administrative Tribunal. So they're appealing the planning decision on the on heritage grounds because the council have argued that the statue has uh, basically is a detractor from Franklin Square and, and the community will what be What do you mean arguing, aesthetically? Forget all the cultural yeah, baggage. Yeah, the it cultural just doesn't values, look good. Is that what they're saying? Yes, cultural, social, aesthetic values that it's uh, detrimental. What absolute rot. That statue has been there for, you know, continuously, like I said, for 134 years. So the community are going to stand up to the Hobart City Council and the Tasmanian Heritage Council. So it is a David and Goliath. So there's actually uh, a crowdfunding platform on GoFundMe available because the community members are going to need to pay for heritage experts and planning lawyers and we're up against some big players. So uh, Jeff Briscoe, who's a Hobart community member, he's leading the charge on the appeal. And like I said, there's a GoFundMe, which we're already getting some good donations, but we really need some resources to push back against this woke craziness. Okay, you are a Hobart, Hobart City Councillor, right? Yes, I am. And were you one of the two votes against? Yeah, there's a bit of a story to it. I knew I had to leave the meeting to actually do an interview. So uh, my vote was indifferent to it. So technically I didn't vote against the planning consent, but for the past four months I've been actively pushing. It wouldn't have made uh, any for, difference anyway, right? No, exactly. And from my perspective it was important to let let the world know what's happening so that we have a chance because, I mean, it was a done deal basically in my opinion, the planning. That was just like, Let's tick the box so we can move on to appeal. That I mean, is the a community... common thing too. We get that here. Do you know? Oh, a, yes, of a, course. A sort of faux consultation. That's what that yes, that's that's yes, completely. And in no, my opinion, it, it was going through the motions to achieve a result. People are really actually uh, disappointed in the Tasmanian Heritage Council because they see their role as being independent people who should be non-political, and their role being to preserve our yes, heritage, not take sides, not, right? not to enable its removal. And not only its removal, its removable, removal to some unknown location. It's not even going to a museum. It's not going... You, we you don't have even to be careful because going. these people could <laughs> destroy it as well. Oh, that takes my breath away to think yeah, that that would crazier happen. things have happened, you know. Yes. Well, well, it's already been graffitied and defaced in the past. So, okay. I mean, Mr. but looking Carlo. forward, I mean, fingers crossed with the appeal, that is our final option literally and but then what will be next I mean, what if you could um is there a compromise to be made to 
um, you know, relocate it still publicly, but maybe not in such a high profile place. Uh, well, I've been asking that question for months. I've been asking what's what's the status of discussions with the Tasmanian Museum? And I'm not getting any outcomes. I suspect that even the Tasmanian Museum is scared to touch it in this voice referendum woke era. But that makes complete sense. What should happen? The two compromises are, and most people want the statue to stay with signage, with a story around yep. the context of the time and yep. what, you know, what allegations there might be. That's what most people want. Because no one's and glorifying the times. Exactly. We, we, they are what they were. You know, that's it, right? It's done. So Exactly. We are where we are today because of those times, with yep. the knowledge of those times. And the values change because we have more information. But the other option is that, of course, it goes to a museum, which I had pitched to the council before, that there's a small museum in Battery Point that the Crowther family was actually instrumental in setting up. <laughs> and they voted down even just starting discussions. It seems that with some people, they're only happy if it's literally in the darkness gathering dust. Well, it, there's more chance of them getting the next job, probably, is the way, the way they see it. Yes, you know, it's a it's a sad state of affairs. You need to stay on the on the train, and that's the way yes, you stay yes. on the, the that gravy train. Okay, well, wow, this is uh, okay. So I can we're give not, you a bit of an update in we're terms not quite of time there. frames. We're almost there, but we're not yes. quite there. Uh, when I say almost no. there, do you you've got you've got a sense of inevitability about this? Surely. Oh gosh, no. I'm optimistic. On I'm hopeful because the appeal will be heard. Uh, realistically early next year. And as the community members are engaging heritage experts, it's really coming out in the wash just how, I mean, unstable this decision is. I mean, it's, in my opinion, there's a lot of biased information that it's been based on. So I'm still optimistic, but I, of course, wouldn't be surprised because of the times we live in. But I know that these community members are deeply passionate about it. I mean, resources to the GoFundMe page is really valuable because we are, or the community, is up against some big they, players they know who that, will by be the trying way, to defend right? their decisions. They know that they've got deep pockets. and Exactly. Yeah. And they'll, they'll use yeah. the ratepayer money, the taxpayer money, to tear this statue down that the community in 1885 paid for. Okay. So in the meantime, the statue stays where it is, right? That's right. They can't touch it until the appeal's resolved. Louise, thanks for updating us on that. I think we're going to have to come back again. After we are. The, and and uh, look, fingers crossed, like like you've made clear, and and uh, I've made a few comments. This is not about glorifying any of the past and the actions done, as you say, in a, basically a different world. It was a different world. Yes. But to ignore factual things that were instrumental in, where particularly um, your continent, as uh, Barry Humphreys used to call it, the continent of Tasmania, um, and, you know, the, the heritage of that place, you, these stories surely have to be told. Yes, and I think, I mean, it, it's, it's, it was intended to be there for generations and it's an important story to tell. And the moral owners are the community from the 1800s. Yeah. It's really not the other, the you know, the governments or the Heritage Council's possession to remove. I think it's really disrespectful to the community. They're turning the in their graves, Louise. They'll be turning yes. in their graves. Louise Elliott, Hobart City Councillor, thanks for coming back to RCR. We'll, we'll have another catch-up, you know, when the time comes, all right? 
Thank you for having me. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.